Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Pro Series Podcast. This is episode 61 with Anthony Hausch. Anthony is the founder and CEO of Roxbox. Roxbox designs, engineers, and builds custom shipping container structures all around the world. It is the coolest thing. You need to check out their website and their social media. But before you do that, please listen to this episode and like, subscribe, and review this podcast on wherever you listen to podcasts. And now I hope you enjoy episode 61 with Anthony Hausch. Awesome. Thank you, Anthony, so much for joining me today on the Pro Series podcast. Thanks, Eric, for being here. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, for the most part, I always like to start off the episode on how we kind of connected. And we were talking off camera. It was Greg Smith who did it. He was on my podcast earlier in the year, I think. Um, HGTV guy, and he's done multiple things. And we'll talk a little bit. He's that you guys did a project together. Um, and was that so? We were talking about it was the No Barriers project, correct? That's correct. Yeah. Awesome. Well, so I was on your website for a while and I just kind of got lost because these container things have been huge on. I, I follow accounts on TikTok and stuff that people are making um, container homes and container, all kinds of stuff. So I can't wait to talk to you guys about. Um, how your company came about. Um, but as we start, I want to kind of get a little background about you and how you got to, were you always in the design field, um, where you're from and you can start off. Sure. Yeah, of course. So um, the, the history of Roxbox is, uh, you know, it's kind of got a, a winding road, uh, but I initially uh, moved to Colorado to go to the Colorado School of Mines uh, to become an engineer. And uh, while I was there, uh, I was in my junior year and some of my uh, friends uh, from my hometown in Iowa, Iowa City, Iowa is where I was born and raised. And uh, they moved out to Colorado and were working in uh, some container yards for uh, for their uncle. And so uh, I had not had anything to do with shipping containers at all. And uh, so when they were working for them, we just kind of talked about the industry in and of itself and how people were making money just selling them for retail and storage and things like that. Nothing to do with modifications, but uh, I was looking for some extra money and um, in, in college. And so just started looking around and, and calling some container companies and realizing that the market was uh, a little archaic and there wasn't a whole yeah. lot of sales uh, around the containers themselves. So, um, you know, I started just brokering them, uh, putting them on Craigslist and stuff like that. And then uh, as we got bigger and stuff, people were looking at containers as construction uh, modality and using them to repurpose and upcycle. And with my background in engineering, obviously from a design perspective, uh, knowing SolidWorks and, and SketchUp and that very well, was able to start making these designs and, uh, you know, basic stuff at first, roll-up doors, windows, doors, things like that. Um, and then it got a little bit deeper into full service turnkey bars and other things like that. So um, it's been kind of a winding road to get here, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, started with the design and being be able to make these things myself on the computer. Yeah. So did it start off with what, what or when did you feel like it was going to be a bigger business than it was and not just the side gig that you had in college? So, I mean, actually it was in college. I, I started in March of 2015 and, uh, by July of, two, of the same year, we had done like half a million bucks in sales or something like that is, is a lot. And I actually called the professor that helped me set up the, uh, set the company up initially. And it was like, Hey, I, you know, I want to go back to school, but I can't do both right now. I've got this business that's running very well. And, uh, you know, I like it, uh, but I do want to finish. And he's like, listen, you can always come back. If you've got a tiger by the tail right now, 
go go see what you can do with that. You can always come back here and finish your degree and stuff like that. And so took his advice and and you know started continuing to sell empty shipping containers and stuff. And that took us to about the summer of 2017. So two years of doing that. And then we built our first container bar by ourselves just in the yard. I hired a, a mobile welder guy to come out and start cutting holes in the box and stuff using my designs and things from my engineering background. Uh, basically gave him the plans and stuff. And we just started cutting up containers in the middle of a dirt field. Uh, got our first product and actually what's one of our foremost products today, it's called the beer can. Uh, we coined that term right when we first made the, the first container bar. And uh, that's been a very popular product. We have those all over the country. Lots of very large brands are serving out of them. So that's been a very successful <clears throat> product uh, for us to date. Uh, and then from there, uh, it just kind of kept taking on more and more things. We uh, built an experiential marketing container uh, on a trailer for Adidas Golf. Uh, that was touring at Pinehurst, is on the PGA Tour. Um, so that gave us a lot of clout. And then we did some stuff for uh, Winter Park Resorts and uh, Altera. So uh, we've actually worked with them a couple of times now and uh, got into more and more ski resorts here and there for bars and restaurants. And then we've uh, become a modular manufacturer as well. So we're certified in uh, 11 states right now uh, as a modular manufacturer. So we can build all of these products in their factory, have inspectors come into the factory and inspect them to the local building codes to where they're going to be delivered. And then we finish it all out in, in the factory turnkey ship it to site and it gets set on the foundation. My gosh. So do you in-house design all of these? Yeah, pretty much. We have three in-house designers. I don't do it myself anymore. I've got some, uh, some other things to tackle, yeah. but uh, yeah, we do have three in-house designers um, and all of them are, are uh, former fabricators as well, which has been okay. fantastic for us to have them uh, with that experience because it obviously translates right to the plans from a buildability perspective. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, the, and then we basically, we do all the drawings and plans and then we send them off to our teams of architects and engineers to have them stamped and ready for submittal to the local authorities having jurisdiction for permitting. Yeah, that's very cool. So who is your typical client? Is it corporations or is it residential? So we're, we've been very focused on the commercial side of, of the business um, forever up until uh, what two months ago, I believe uh, we, we launched okay. our first container home. And we were on the cover of Colorado Builder Magazine um, a month after launching that. So that was a nice little article to be written about. Um, and so those are getting, those are uh, looking at developers for those, uh, you know, multiple units type of thing or homeowners uh, to be able to put one of those units in their backyard as an accessory dwelling unit, uh, mother-in-law apartment type of thing. Um, and, and there's a lot of different modalities you can use with that single unit. Um, we're, we're very much focused on the single unit right now. Um, multi-story homes and things like that can be uh, difficult and uh, complicated from the design perspective, just because uh, a lot of people that want container homes want them to be custom to themselves, which completely understand that. Uh, for us, it, it's, it's more of a task to do that and, and would push the cost, I think, too high for most people. So mm -hmm. we've been focusing on the products and really dialing in the single unit. And then we've got a couple double units and some other models that are available. Uh, but more productized. So is it all manufactured in your office in Colorado? Yes. Yeah. We've got 30,000 square feet in Denver and I'm probably uh, flying down to Houston by the end of this week to uh, sign a lease on a 40,000 square foot building down there. That's awesome. So what's that accomplished? Is that accomplished so you could build more or is it just so you could store more product to build faster? 
uh, more uh, build more. So our, our okay. facility in Denver is, is fantastic. It's very nice. Um, it's just, uh, it's not quite set up the best for modular manufacturing. And so with the scale that we're approaching now, um, having a facility that's more engineered or geared towards um, modular manufacturing, larger, taller, you know, internal cranes and things like that, it will help us manufacture these at scale a lot faster. And, and uh, I, not to a higher quality per se, but uh, shorter lead times, things like that. That's awesome. I mean, your website is great and it kind of kind of splits up all the residential stuff. So I was kind of just asking that question based off of a viewer that doesn't know uh, your company. But obviously me being residential design, I I fell in love with your your home one. I think you posted like in September. It was has the like little gym on the bottom and maybe like four containers. Mm-hmm. Oh, the, the one? Yeah. 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 So when it comes to that, I mean, I see the garage, it's like on the top floor. How much thought is going into these container homes? Um, I mean, obviously that one had to be engineered completely different than uh, the building adjacent to it with the gym on the bottom, I believe. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the, that, that particular project there, that, that, you know, we'll, we, I, We've mostly focused on commercial, but we have dabbled in in the residential market here and there. Yeah. Uh, this is being one of them, and this was actually a garage that was built for um, a, a partner of of Roxbox. And so, you know, we don't normally do residential stuff, but uh, this one was that they're also a general contractor. So when we work with you know construction people or GCs like that, we're a little more lenient on other things because they take it from us at a certain point and finish it out themselves, which. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of times where that difficulty comes in that I was describing earlier with the residential stuff. So working with developers or GCs like that, we're, we're a lot more lenient on providing what we call the shells. Um, so it's the containers uh, outfitted with structural steel and married up together, uh, welded together on site. And then a lot of times somebody else will finish it out if they don't want us to. If they'd like us to, we have general contractors all over the country that we work with to do installs and, and finish out tenant build outs. Uh, but this one in particular was in Golden, Colorado. So, uh, you know, 10 minutes from my alma mater. And uh, it's a very, very cool garage style because of the way that Colorado homes are built in the mountains. So this, what you, the, the the setup that you have with this is that the, the road was very much higher than the garage. So you had a very steep elevation to get up the driveway and get out. Well, in Golden, Colorado, it snows quite a lot in the wintertime. So you're not, you're not pulling down into your driveway if it's snowing out or you're being in your backyard type of thing. So you'll slide right through. So what this does is this is actually a product that can be utilized on both the, the upside and the downside of, of a road um, so that people can pull in on, at grade or road level and then take stairs up to their house or down to their house. Or in this particular one, there's a catwalk that goes mm-hmm. right into the kitchen or the second story of that house. So um, this is uh, for a, a family uh, family home and the, they're getting a little older. And so um, not having to walk upstairs and things in the winter is certainly something they were looking for. So um, yeah, the, there's four containers on the top and three containers on the bottom. Uh, the four containers on top are a garage and then there's a little tool room in the back of that. Underneath, you have a game room, a DJ studio, or recording studio, and then a workout room. So that the workout room looks out over their backyard, which has an amazing view of downtown Denver. That's insane. Yeah, like the things you could do with this. So a normal person heads to your website, hits on products. What products can they expect or what products can they order from you guys um, in a are they expecting it like in a couple of weeks or how is it all custom made or are you guys storing them? 
No, we don't store anything. We'll, we'll build it to order for sure. Um, now with the products, that is the best thing is that um, if you don't need it to be a permanent structure, then yes, we can have that delivered in, you know, six to eight weeks, a lot of times, uh, depending on wow. our current capacity. Um, but the, 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 the difficulty comes into play when it needs to be a permanent structure and you go through permitting and, and the local authorities having jurisdiction and, and your building departments and things like that. So that elongates the time a lot. Uh, unfortunately, it just is what it is that, you know, that most states and cities uh, require permits for a lot of this stuff. There are a lot of areas still in this country where, you know, it, it's not required. And one of the big distinctions that we make on that initial phone call is, is this going to be a mobile unit or a permanent unit? Um, and there's rules around both of those. So if it's a mobile unit, you know, you can move it every three or six months, or even it's it's temporary all the time, and it just gets put on a trailer and taken off for events and things like that, uh, or it stays on a trailer. So if it stays on a trailer, it can remain mobile. And there's a bunch of other distinctions that can be made between the two um, modalities that we have, um, but we can perform both, and it just affects the timeline and, and the cost, obviously. With a permanent build, you're, you know, engaging architects and engineers to make sure that the plans are stamped to that jurisdiction that you're trying to get it permitted in. Um, so that does elongate the timeline uh, and add some cost to that. Uh, but yeah, from a product standpoint, we have uh, the beer can, like I mentioned earlier, is our definitely our foremost product. And we've got those all over the country. Um, we've done uh, uh, the kitchen can is, uh, is basically our kitchen box is uh, we can do a 20 foot unit. We also do tons of 40 foot um, custom kitchens. Those are a little bit more complex, but uh, then we just released the coffee can uh, and the roadie is our experiential marketing container. So that's for, you know, pretty high level brands. Um, the, the roadie is, uh, you know, hooked up to a truck, pull it anywhere. And then within about two hours, you can have a container that's got fold out sides and walls, rooftop deck, you know, all this stuff set up at a trade show pretty quickly. That's so those are, those are a few of the products we got. So is that, um, so these corporations, you have your long list of clients that you've had on here. Is that what they're using them for? Mostly for trade shows? So the, the ones that are on there right now, we have Nokian tires, uh, Coca-Cola and Adidas golf. Uh, those ones are the most foremost for the, the roadie that we've had um, in the okay. company. Uh, but the, all the rest of them, you know, it depends what they are. Um, you know, the breweries are mostly beer cans or, or bars. Um, and then the resorts and things like that can both be bars and kitchens most of the time. That's very cool. I mean, I'm just thinking from here in Pittsburgh, like we're not, you know, we have the four seasons. This is a great, I mean, like the Coca-Cola one is a cool like outdoor bar, like stage type of look mm -hmm. that any place can have. So are you seeing certain geographical, like maybe certain states and stuff that are more so buying these off or buying the idea of it more than others? Certainly from the permanent aspect. Yeah. Um, now it's, it, it's changed quite dramatically. I mean, this industry is not old, right? I mean, yeah. people started making cool stuff out of these maybe 12 years ago in the U S uh, now the U S is certainly years and years behind the rest of the world. The rest of the world has been using containers for infrastructure for a very long time. Um, but, uh, um, as far as, as far as like the geographic location, it really depends from a mobile perspective, they go all over the country. Um, uh, from a permanent perspective, uh, it's the same thing. It just really depends on how difficult it is in that state. Pretty much. I don't want to say always, cause it's never always, but most of the time, uh, if we're engaged early enough on in the design process and the, the feasibility study uh, in terms of 
getting with the local authority having jurisdiction, we can pretty much always find a way to get it through that permitting process. Um, there are there are places that flat out say no shipping container infrastructure, and we don't get it. But if that's the way they want to go, then so be yeah. it. So there are still those places. But one of the biggest things that's happened over the last uh, two or three years is that um, there's been a container council, if you will, within the International Code Council that has been promoting and trying to create rules surrounding the construction of shipping containers in the international building code. So this is a huge step for our industry that it, and it is, it's now in the 2021 IBC is container construction. So there are rules now of how to cut out and frame just like there is for any sort of wood structure or, or brick or anything else um, that you can use a container now with the IBC and point to these codes that you use to build your structure. So um, we're, we're starting to get there where it's not just a niche thing anymore that people are really using this not only uh, for themselves, but from a commercial aspect. And mm -hmm. it's becoming it's being very well received uh, because there are rules around uh, this type of construction now. Yeah. So how about you guys as a company? How, how can a viewer see this in person? Or do you guys go to trade shows or you just kind of list out your partners on your website for them to go see those ones? Yeah, we, we haven't done a ton of trade shows, to be honest. Uh, a lot of our growth has happened from uh, 2020. So uh, oh, okay. actually, you know, uh, for a lot of companies, it's been it's been very unfortunate seeing friends and family have to close their businesses and things like that. And we hope that never, ever happens again. Um, <clears throat> but uh, with us, fortunately, modular construction kind of exploded during that time period because um, on-site construction was very, very difficult with closures, yeah. anyone getting sick. Uh, things like that. Whereas in the factory, we can monitor these things a lot closer than than being out on out in the field. So uh, modular construction blew up. Uh, we we did very very well from 2020 to now. We went from a dirt lot in 2019 to a 5,000 square foot building in 2020, and now we're going to have close to 70,000 square feet of capacity in two states. So um, it's been a really good growth period over the last few years, not not without its challenges by any means, but um, but yeah, we're seeing that this is going to continue to grow. The modular industry is is just accelerating um, all over the place right now. Um, and so I, I do see this as being a, a very viable business moving forward into the future. So for Rocksbox future, what do you see? Um, I know you mentioned the new, maybe the possible new warehouse in Texas, but what do you plan on doing in the near future, maybe for just 2023 or the next five years? Yeah, so one of the big uh, initiatives that we're doing is is diving more into, so we've got residential, commercial, and then industrial is is another side of the business that we have not done a ton in, and that's, you know, oil field services, water treatment plants, um, you know, uh, data center type things. So we've done a, some crypto mining containers in the past, and that's leading into that mobile modular data center uh, industry. Um, so those are some th bigger things that we're diving into now that is more, you know, uh, nationalized infrastructure plays that are, uh, you know, government uh, contracts and things like that. Um, mm -hmm. We're definitely going to be continually diving deeper into the residential side of things. Um, and then beyond containers themselves, uh, steel framed modular structures is, is definitely the next step that we need to take. And, and that that means essentially building skids, uh, floor and roof skids out of structural steel um, and then filling them in with uh, with traditional construction methods. So a lot of the modular buildings that you see um, getting craned in and stacked in, in, in to apartment complexes and stuff like that are the are, are the standard modulars that are wood built or then the stuff that we're planning on doing is uh, steel steel framed modular structures. So 
that is definitely the next big step that we're going to take is, is not just staying focused on containers, but expanding our offerings to more modular, which allows for a wider footprint, uh, taller footprint. You know, you're not bound by the eight by 20 and eight by 40 foot footprints of a shipping container. So that's really where we see us uh, growing. I'd say that's probably in, in the cards in the next two years uh, for the next, for 2023, it's going to be getting Houston running and, and operating very efficiently um, and uh, cranking out some projects. And hopefully, you know, with that, you know, while everyone's charging more and more money for, for their products with us making this expansion, it'll actually uh, reduce our overall costs. So hopefully we can be one of the companies out in the world right now that's able to actually lower our prices uh, throughout this inflationary period versus most other companies. Yeah. So for residential sides, what, what are you seeing um, or you're hoping to see? Are you th hoping to see developments of your Roxbox homes for this sure. year? Yeah, certainly. And there's, you know, there, there's a new, um, I guess, thought process around these these community developments where, you know, you kind of have, you create a small city center around a, a neighborhood area that's not, you know, a breakup of, you know, commercial, residential, commercial, residential, uh, like a lot of the traditional stuff is around Denver right now. There's a few different uh, neighborhoods that um, we're talking to right now that uh, are planned communities. And, you know, looking to put our units in the community where like making, you know, eight, 10 foot wide sidewalks. And then there's a coffee can sitting on the sidewalk while you're walking your dog in the morning and that's open. You grab a coffee type of thing and, and you're able to go same like at, the, at a dog park, you put a, a beer can at a dog park with a hot dog stand type of thing. And you got your, you know, instead of meeting your buddies at the bar, you go walk your dog and meet your buddies at the dog park type of thing. So, you know, there's different thoughts around how communities can interact and our products are a lot of times at the forefront of those conversations because they're small yet they can produce uh, a lot of food, coffee, whatever it is um, in, in a small package and be delivered relatively quickly. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I hope to see that because, you know, you see all these um, tiny neighborhoods coming up um, oh. and I, I've never got on board with those just because they're so in incredibly tiny and um, I don't see there's a lot of possibility of customization, but with your stuff, after seeing like your Instagram page and taking that deep dive, like the possibilities are literally endless on design work. Um, when you combine like double deckers and um, honestly, just incredible. So when it comes to the design of the product, I know in the interior design and the construction fields, we're having horrible lead times right now. And I know you said um, you could get them out fairly quickly. So is most of your weight based off of the materials that are gonna go into the product? Yeah, a lot of times it's equipment. So from raw building materials, <clears throat> steel studs, steel itself, uh, the containers themselves, um, you know, it, it's mostly mechanical things like AC mm -hmm. units, uh, uh, electrical panels, um, you know, makeup air units, hoods, uh, fryers, refrigerators. Those are the kinds of things that we have a long lead items on now. Yeah. And a lot, depending on how quickly the client needs it, a lot of times with those kitchens, those have to be permanent builds. So you've got, you know, a month to three months in, in architecture and engineering, you know, another month of month and a half of construction, um, or excuse me, another month of approvals with the local authority having jurisdiction, and then the building commences. And within that, you have multiple inspections. And so that six to eight week timeline that I presented earlier, it, that gets elongated by another, about another month. So you're probably looking at two to three months on, on some of those kitchens. Now, we're cranking one out right now that's permanent. We're going to finish it in four weeks. So I say that, and now that's a 20 foot container, but um, you know, if, if it's necessary, obviously anyone can pay us more money to get stuff done faster. So yeah. we, do, we can add some rush fees in there to do it. Now with that one, 
we're shipping all this stuff, the, all the equipment to site and uh, it will show up when it shows up and, and they'll put it in as necessary. But um, you know, th th there's ways to work around it. And that's not, doesn't make everyone happy by any means, mm -hmm. but um, you know, if you have to switch one piece of equipment out or something like that, uh, or put a used one in for, for the time being uh, while we wait for a new one, there's a, there's a lot of ways to get it done, but it does, it does put a damper on some projects for sure, because they you know have events lined up or something like that, that they can't have be operational for. So that does hurt. Yeah. So what makes it permanent? Is it the weight of it or is it just basic of what they want in it? Uh, a couple of different things. So usage is, is certainly the first thing. Um, so what, what is it being used for? Um, and then is it going to move? Um, so that, that's the big thing with containers, they're shipping containers, right? They're meant to move. They're, they're going a truck boat, you know, sometimes they go on a plane. Um, so, you know, you can move these things wherever. And so from a mobile perspective, you know, there's, there's not a lot of rules around those things. Um, it's mm -hmm. more health code and not, not so much building code. From a permanent standpoint, if it's going to stay there uh, and be affixed to a foundation, that's usually the the key, uh, affixion to the foundation as well as the connection to the utilities. So if you want hard power or hard water, then nine times out of 10, it's going to be a permanent permanent building. Um, again, there are some ski resorts, obviously, you can get around some of that stuff here and there just because you know their base moves up and down five to 10 feet every year, so they can't necessarily be hardwired connected. Um, or it has to be on a temporary foundation and things like that. But yeah, that those those two big things um, and then usage. So a lot of times kitchens are very difficult to be mobile. Um, the building departments do not like giving mobile jurisdictions to kitchens a lot of times because we're outside of the realm of a food truck just a little bit. Now, if you put it on a trailer, it changes everything. So it just you just got to kind of know uh, the rules around that. And that's really honestly one of the first conversations that we have with clients is like, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to move it ever? Does it need to be hardwired and hard plumbed? And do you want it on a foundation? So going through that questionnaire will pretty much point us in whichever direction we need to go. Mm -hmm. Wow. I mean, my last question, I'm kind of going to ask a question more on construction. And so when it's a permanent home and you're doing the plumbing and you obviously have to insulate it if it's a cold climate, how do you, are you pretty much forced to do a double um, container just because of how much smaller it gets with the, um, plumbing in the walls and the uh, insulation that you're going to have to provide? No, we've done quite a few kitchens that are just single units that meet code. Um, and we use, uh, we only use spray foam in our, in our containers. So okay. um, if you use any other insulation, it's just going to mold and, and uh, the condensation from that metal in the walls just creates a lot of moisture in there. And if you have standard um, fiberglass insulation, it's just going to basically fall down to the bottom of the wall cavity and, and mold there. So Everything we get is spray foamed and I actually, um, so yeah, spray foam, regular steel studs, and then um, the wall coverings go in there. Um, but uh, help me out, what was, what was your initial question again? So like into your home when you um, have to- The width and stuff, yeah. So yeah. what we'll do on, on if, if it is really tight in there, uh, we can actually create a, like a bump out or a chase on the okay. on the side of the container which we've done a, a few times that that handles all the the plumbing uh and sometimes electrical um waistline the plumbing waistlines and and stuff are the biggest things obviously that that would need to be pushed out so and then that's another reason why we're thinking about going into steel frame modulars is that you go 10 foot wide and you don't have to worry about any of those any of those tight uh space requirements there are kitchens that we have not been able to do uh, because they require a three foot wide walkway between the the front and the back equipment. And that is that's not feasible 
with most equipment packages they go into a container um mm-hmm. it can be done but it's going to be a very basic kitchen at that point um and and no gas uh no gas equipment and stuff so it's all electric which is upsizes your electrical panel and things like that but um but as far as the home goes uh a lot of that plumbing is underneath and so we just drop it right through because those homes those are all permanent so mm-hmm. it, it becomes more difficult when it's in a, a mobile kitchen or, or something that has to be 100 turnkey and with like tanks or like we've done a lot of kitchens that have tanks in them um because they can't get access to water like ski resorts and things like that they're not going okay. to new stuff um but like with a home especially with our adu your wall, you, you've got a good space in there because in those walls, we're still, we're still at our um, R21 in Colorado, even with the, the new uh, energy code. And so in the ceiling, you're at R49. Um, and actually the new code is like R60, which is, that's ridiculous. But um, we don't really see an issue with that because we can get, there's a cavity under the floor as well. So the way these containers are built, you have floor joists um, that are underneath that main floor. And so we can pipe through and, and drill through those floor joists to okay. get the waistlines and stuff through that and then spray foam all of it so it's all insulated and then you have your drops and so essentially with an adu uh one of our home products you know most of the time we recommend that you do a crawl space under the foundation so mm-hmm. your foundation is a crawl space so when you set the box on there you see your plumbing drops and electrical drops there and then they just crawl in the crawl space hook it all up and you're ready to go so that's definitely the easiest way to do it and it doesn't it doesn't impact your wall size, sizing too much that's crazy well, I want to end with, I want people to go over to your social media and your website to see everything you do. So I want you to um, give us where they could find you on social media and where they could find you on your website. Totally. Yeah. Uh, on our Instagram, we are at Rocksbox Containers and our website is rocksboxcontainers.com. Um, and then if uh, you want to just get on the horn and call us, 